Welcome to Bridge City Church. We are here to lead people in a deeper relationship with Jesus and to grow the church locally, nationally and internationally. We pray you are blessed by this message. When I was young, um, many people, and I'm talking about in the olden days now, um, (laughs) many people used to go to church uh, on Sundays, but um, many of them weren't really committed. They were just sort of going because that seemed to be the done thing. Uh, And as time went by, a lot of them sort of dropped away, but but then curiously, they sent their own children to Sunday school. And it's kind of like... As if in the back of their mind they thought, well, maybe there's something going on here and um, I haven't quite grasped it myself, but we'll send their kids in case they can uh, get something out of it. The possibility of a, a spiritual dimension seems to be one of modern society's conundrums. If you watch some, you know, often a scientific discussion on TV, the presenters invariably act as though there's no possibility of a spiritual dimension. There's only the physical dimension of, uh, you know, rocks, stones and bones. Anything else is portrayed as fantasy and not part of reality. But then you get movies. Movies, on the other hand, portray fantasy with a spiritual dimension, often, but without actually spelling it out. At Christmas time, we see these feel-good movies about saving Christmas and see how people's goodness shows through without revealing any foundation uh, to base the whole story on. In the Star Wars movies, there was also a powerful, invisible force that the heroes were able to tap into, and then they were able to perform seemingly impossible tasks. In other movies... Spiritual forces are often portrayed as evil, demonic beings that the heroes have to try and outwit and defeat by their own skill. Often in these movies, uh, or sometimes in these movies, Christians are made to look sort of like they're weak and helpless. In reality, this is not the case. Jesus has given us authority over demonic forces and spirits. Jesus himself showed that he had uh, authority over demonic spirits and because uh, he was able to drive them out of uh, people who were possessed. And he's, as his disciples, we've got the same power when we speak in Jesus' name. About 20 years ago, there was a woman in Murray Bridge who made no secret of the fact that she was a witch she used to um, dress for the part. She got around in black. She used to wear a robe that had a hood on it. And uh, many people were uncomfortable in her presence and they'd wanted to avoid contact with her. Sometimes she came to the place where I worked and although I wasn't frightened of her, I was always praying under my breath uh, when I was serving her. One Sunday night, a well-meaning member of our church brought the witch and her husband to our evening church service. And after the church service, a number of us went and spoke to them. And she obviously recognised me as the man who had been serving her at the roadhouse where I was working then. After that night, I never saw her at the roadhouse again. And on two occasions, I came across her 
in the aisle at Coles, and when she spotted me, she took off in the opposite direction. She was obviously uncomfortable around Christians. And as Christians, we have more power in the spiritual world than we might realise. Right? Some people will argue passionately about the fact that there's no God or a spiritual world. And yet, when the tennis in Adelaide started this week, it began with an Aboriginal elder driving away evil spirits. You know, there's more stuff going on in the spirit realm than we, uh, we realise. And although it's not immediately obvious, it has an effect on the world as we know it. One evening when I was um, nine years old, I was at a church service with my parents, and near the end of the service, um, they had a call for people who wanted to raise their hands if they wanted to give their hearts to Jesus. And uh, I guess in the words of um, John Wesley, my heart was strangely warmed and I raised my hand. And in the days that followed, I became aware that, well, some things about me had changed. For example, when we were at, um, in church singing the songs that seemed to be for adults and beyond my understanding, but after that night, I suddenly began to understand and sing the songs. So I'd begun my faith walk, but it really it wasn't until about the time I turned 17 that I came, in a way, face to face with God. I sat for the entrance exam to get into the PMG, which of course is now Telstra, as a technician in training. And uh, I was fortunate enough to be offered a trainee traineeship position, subject to passing a medical exam. And it was there that there was a slight problem arose. In fact, I knew there would be a problem because I already knew that I'm slightly colourblind. And so, um, and of course I failed the test. And uh, after uh, reading the numbers on the Ishihara plates, you know what they are, don't you? That's those round things with all the coloured dots on and you look at them and, and you look for a number on there and if you're colour blind you see one number and if you've got normal colour vision you see a different number. So after um, reading those and knowing that I had a slight colour blindness problem, um, I said to the doctor, um, you know, how's, how am I going with this? And um, he just said something like, great, you haven't got any right yet, <laughs> any correct yet, which was probably an exaggeration but... Um, it was an amusement to him because every time I went to see him in the years that followed, he'd always want to talk to me about it. So it seemed like my career had come to an end before it had even started. Uh, my father was friends with a Baptist pastor who lived nearby and after telling the pastor what had happened, uh, he and my father decided that we should meet and they should pray for me. And they would pray that either I'd be healed of colour blindness or secondly, that there would be a second, another test, uh, alternative test that I could take and that I would pass it. And uh, when we met at the pastor's office at the manse, there was the pastor, one of his elders, my father and myself. And uh, the pastor started by giving a short faith-building chat and, uh, and then I knelt on the floor with my elbows resting on a chair. So like, the chair was there and I'm leaning against it. 
And, uh, and then the pastor, the elder, and my father laid hands on me and began to pray. And uh, while the, the pastor and the elder prayed, all I could think about was how hard the floor was on my knees, right? And then not only that, my ankle started to ache because I was kneeling at a, an unusual angle. But when my father began to pray, I became aware of a bubbling sensation sort of under the skin around my eyes. And at first I thought, I was just imagining it, because I thought, you know, we're here and we want to see something happen. And uh, I thought, I mean, I'm imagining it. But then as my father continued to pray, the bubbling sensation grew and it became quite violent. It wasn't hurting, but I knew that I wasn't imagining it. Something was happening that I couldn't explain. I'd come into contact with the power and the presence of God. And I couldn't deny it. And you know, there was no going back from that point. That became like a reference point for me in my life because I knew on that day that God existed. And whenever people challenged me or laughed at me because of my faith, I could always look back to that reference point uh, when I knew beyond doubt that God existed. Probably you've all had moments like that too when you knew beyond doubt that God is for real. And I probably should add here that um, after they prayed for me, I was offered an alternative test and I did pass it. (laughs) And so I did uh, become a technician, eventually a technical officer with um, Telstra, senior technical officer. When we discover this spiritual dimension that God is moving in all the time, it changes our life. You know, at the moment, our river down here is in flood and we're dealing with it in a physical way, right? We've, uh, people have built levee banks, repaired the banks. People and animals have been uh, evacuated from flooded areas. River communities are dealing with this flooding disaster the best way they know how. Let's have a look, a quick look at how Jesus dealt with a looming disaster. Let's read Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go to the other, over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with them. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves are bane. I reckon I'd be thinking that too if I was there. (laughs) Suddenly someone speaks to the wind, to a storm and it stops. So how did Jesus deal with this crisis? He didn't offer a physical solution apart from speaking to the squall. When Jesus spoke, something more powerful than the squall came into play and the squall stopped. 
How could that happen? We've all seen thunderstorms pass over. So what sort of power do you think it would take to stop a thunderstorm? And where would this power come from? Just think about it when you've got a moment. <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting thought. I see no answer to this question in the physical world. For us, death is the final frontier, and yet Jesus wasn't limited by that. I'm just going to quickly look at three cases where Jesus dealt with death. The first case involves a young man. This is in Luke 7, verses 11 to 16. Soon afterwards, Jesus went to the town called Nain, and his, disi- and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And the large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw this, his heart went out to her and he said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the bier, a bier, in which they were carrying him on, and the bearer stood still. He said to the young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. The second case involves a young girl, the daughter of the synagogue ruler. This is in Mark 5, 35 to 43. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, and they went into where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the little girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old, and as they were completely astonished, and at this they were completely astonished, he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and then told them to give her something to eat. And lastly, let's look at the story of one of Jesus' friends called Lazarus. This is in John 11, 38 to 44. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there will be a bad odour, for he's been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but... I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they might believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and with a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. 
Once again, we see Jesus doing something that seems impossible. How could he do this? Miraculous activities were not just limited to Jesus. His disciples also moved with the same power. In Acts 3, verses 1 to 10, we read that one day Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognised him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were all filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. So what's happening in these stories? Jesus has calmed the storm which would have required great and immense power. He's raised dead people back to life. And one of his disciples has healed a lame man in Jesus' name. In the natural world, this seems impossible. But Jesus spoke into the spiritual world and his words were heard. He was able to call back the spirits of the young man at Nain, the daughter of Jairus, and Lazarus. Whenever the spirits of wherever the spirits of the deceased were, they heard Jesus' voice call to them and they responded. Not only that, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit and using Jesus' authority, spoke to a man who had been lame from birth and commanded him to get up, and he did. Can can you see where I'm going with these stories? We live in what we believe is a natural world, but there is a spiritual world and it's a powerful world. But we don't have to be afraid because Jesus is the king of it and everything, you know, everything including the occult is under his control. It may not recognise it, but the world is influenced by what is going on in the spiritual world all the time. During World War II, on seven occasions, Britain had days of prayer when crucial events were happening. And I know some of those were instituted by Winston Churchill himself, so it came straight from the Prime Minister. One of those prayer days preceded the evacuation of Dunkirk. Over nine days, beginning on the 26th of May... 1940, more than 338,000 British and Allied troops were evacuated from the beaches of Dunkirk. What amazes me is that the government only expected to save 45,000 men 
right? <laughs> so there's an extra 300,000 almost. But during this time, the English Channel was strangely calm and the tiny boats were able to go back and forth safely rescuing soldiers. People at the time saw this strange calm as nothing short of a miracle from God. Because you see, that calm lasted for nine days. Now, I haven't been to the English Channel, but I gather that must be a rarity to have nine days of calm water on the English Channel. God is still working in the lives of people. But those who don't have any spiritual perception fail to see it. Instead, they come up with other explanations. At times, I guess we've all had a gut feeling about something. So, where did that come from? Some would suggest it was intuition. I had a look, and I'm quoting from an online article by Psychology Today. It says, intuition is a form of knowledge that appears in consciousness without obvious deliberation. It is not magical, but rather a faculty in which hunches are generated by the unconscious mind, rapidly sifting through past experience and cumulative knowledge. Right? So that's how psychologists see intuition. They can't see any other possibility for us to have insight into what's about to happen. I think intuition is more a case of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, revealing to us what it is that we need to know. Right? Let me give you an example. Um, and I spent Christmas and New Year with our son Lee and his family at Geraldton in Western Australia. Uh, we've been to Geraldton a number of times and we know that there's two flights, return flights from Perth to Geraldton each day one in the morning and one in the afternoon. So we had our tickets uh, to leave on the morning flight and they were clearly stamped with the usual time that we would be leaving. But on the night before we were to fly home, I began to get this agitation in my spirit about the departure time. And it seemed illogical to be <laughs> concerned about this because... We knew that the planes came and went in the morning and uh, we knew our tickets have got the time on there. That's the same time as we expect. So it seemed, I'm sort of thinking, why am I getting agitated about, this, about the time we're going to leave? And after maybe an hour or so, didn't rush into it, after an hour or so, I decided to check the flight times on the Qantas website and I couldn't believe what I saw. I did a second search with another crowd and, and to make sure. And I was most surprised that the flight times had changed. Apparently because of the low number of passengers over Christmas or over the holiday period, they were now providing only one flight a day. That flight left four hours later than we expected and, uh, and that meant that we would miss our flight from Perth to Adelaide. And uh, when I told Lee, he said, Oh, well, I'll just ring my boss and say I'm, I'm not coming in tomorrow and I'll drive you down to Perth because it's about a four and a half hour drive so it was a bit of a, an issue. But I rang Qantas and we were able to rebook. They were able to rebook us onto the last flight 
from Perth into Adelaide. So it leaves the question, how could this happen? Some would say it was intuition, maybe just a lucky fluke. But I would say to you that it was the Holy Spirit revealing to me what was to happen. When we got home, Gay rang the travel agent, not one locally, somewhere else, um, who claimed that she'd tried to ring us but about the flight changes, but we hadn't answered. <laughs> and, of course, we never had any missed calls or messages on our phone. But as it turned out, we found out anyway. Looking at the miraculous things that Jesus did, we have to conclude that Jesus was able to move freely in this spiritual dimension and use the enormous power that was at his disposal as he revealed to us the very nature and power of God, who's also a caring God. Right? And I've probably said this before, but one of the things I've learnt in recent years is all that Jesus was doing was to reveal to us the very nature of God. Right? Satan and the devil and his demonic beings um, also move in this dimension as well. They work by putting fear into people and, and deceiving them into thinking there's no escape for them. Right? That's a lie. Say it again, that's a lie. Satan and his demons are simply uh, rebellious angels that have fallen from heaven. They're not in the same league as God. When we speak to them in Jesus' name, they have to obey. In Jesus' name, we can cast out demons out of people, buildings and situations. As Christians, we're able to move in this spiritual world every time we pray. Right? So whenever you pray, we're moving in this spiritual realm. You mightn't have thought about it, but that's what's happening. There's another occasion when we can kind of move in a spiritual dimension as well. You know, the first part of our church service involves praise and worship. And it's during this time, when our hearts are focused on God, that he often downloads thoughts and ideas that need to be implemented in our lives. So if you're in a, um, during the, you know, the praise and worship time in church and you're focusing on worshipping God and God's sort of put some idea in your head, don't tell it to go away because it might not be just a random thought. It could well be that God is downloading something for you to know about. Um, I seem to remember that um, hearing some preaching by Pastor Gary Cassie once and he was saying that it used to bother him when he was in church and worship time that um, business ideas, because he's also a businessman, would come to mind. And uh, he was repenting one day and saying, Lord, I'm sorry, I keep getting these ideas when, when I'm worshipping. And God said, will you quieten down? I'm trying to give you some good ideas, right? <laughs> so we can pray, we're going to move in the spirit, but also when we're in church here and we're during our worship time, God, when we're drawing close to God, he can speak to us there as well. Looking back on my life, I've tended to focus on the big, seemingly one-off events that have taken place. Um, but as I've been thinking about this, I've realised that God has always been working continuously in my life. But many times I've failed to see it until later. 
I may have missed seeing God at work and perhaps have put some events down to coincidence or, dare I say it, intuition, when really it's been the Holy Spirit working within me and helping me. Um, you know, I was thinking about this and I realised that there's been these sort of big, almost seemingly one-off events in my life where I've given my heart to Jesus uh, and then we've, he, I sort of come face to face with him and it's time to get a job and he's changes my life there. And then some years later, um, I'm at a, a youth Bible study and um, there, was this, <laughs> there was this nurse that turned up there who started nursing and... Um, I didn't really pay any attention to her because I already had a girlfriend. But during the, during the study, God suddenly says to me, see that girl that's sitting there, she was over there on my right, that's the girl you're going to marry. And I thought, what? I'm, I've already got a girlfriend. So anyway, another four or five years goes by and I did get married to this nurse and, go, and I've been married for 44 years now. So God is revealing stuff to you even when you're... You're focused in on, on listening to what he's saying, maybe on another subject. So, look, there's all these, as I, I won't keep going on, but there's, there's these been um, big events that happen everywhere, every and again through my life. But I've realised that in between those big events, God's also been at work. And they mightn't have been big deals, but he's, they're all joined together by these smaller events that are taking place as in my life, and I guess it's happening in your lives as well. God's just helping you through the various issues of life. You know, a week or so ago, I was uh, agitated about the flight times until I discovered what was happening, and then I realised that it was actually the Holy Spirit trying to get my attention. So don't miss out or misunderstand what's going on in the spiritual world because our God is continuously working there to help us. He's a great God who knows us and never forgets us. Right? He's always going to remember your name when you come to him. So the stuff that's going on in the world, and just put on some spiritual perception to see what's actually happening that God is working in your life and you mightn't realise it but he is at work sometimes you get distracted and think it was a coincidence or something else but it's not focus in on him and see what it is that he's got in mind for you let's pray together Lord I just thank you that uh, you're always at work in our lives and uh, that we can just move into the spiritual realm as Christians and just see what it is that you want us to do. And Lord, sometimes we have to listen for a while to hear what it is you're saying. But I thank you, Lord, that you're always trying to get through to us and show us things. And so, Lord, I thank you for the people that are here and those who are watching online. Lord, I just pray your blessing over each one this day and these coming days now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for joining with us today. If you would like to find out more, you can get in touch with us on our website at bridgecitychurch.com.au. See you next time.